Welcome to Exploring the Industry, where we find out what God's doing in the entertainment world. I get to interview Christians from various entertainment industries. They share their stories of faith and transformation with you and I. I'm hosting people from many different backgrounds to share what God is doing and where he's shown up most in their lives and their careers through their highs and lows. We're believing to influence the narrative of how Christians perceive what God's doing in the entertainment industry around the world. If a picture is worth a thousand words, their story is worth a thousand sermons. Come join the conversation and welcome to the show. Kim Dortilly worked for 30 years as a casting director and talent agent, discovering some of Hollywood's great talent, as well as acting as her agents. People like Jessica Alba, American Ferrera, and Nick Weister. In the middle of her successful career, Kim felt a call to ministry and went after her theology degree, not sacrificing her entertainment career, but pioneering in them both. After so many years in both ministry and Hollywood, Kim took a full-time position as the associate pastor at Bel Air Presbyterian Church, which still has a reputation of hosting the who's who of Christians in Hollywood for decades, where she still serves today. She has ministered and worked in Hollywood as a pioneer of the faith, and you're going to hear stories that will still inspire you about what God's doing today. I'm excited about exploring the industry today because my guest, Kim Dorr, is executive pastor at Bel Air Presbyterian, which for those of you who don't know, has been one of the leading entertainment-based churches in the city forever, for so long. And before that, she was a casting director and a talent agent, and we're going to hear all about it today. But welcome, Kim. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so thrilled to be here. This is so good. I mean, I feel like we've been comrades from a distance because of all the ministries you've led through the years and yeah. all the events and the just the, the studies and the, the support you've given people. I just so celebrate you. Well, thank you. And right back at you. I mean, it was just great. We we did National Day of Prayer together yeah. many years ago of yeah. bringing people together, like Christians in the industry are praying. It's like, oh, that's awesome. That's so, huge. Yeah. That's huge. Now there's so many of them, which yes. is amazing. I love the multiplication. I know. Well, let's get right into your story because you didn't start out in the industry as a Christian. You actually started out going after acting when you were just a teenager, which I love. Yeah. I, I had the same aspirations when I was a teenager. It was fun. Theater, I love theater so much. And you were going after theater. And start us off on that journey. Yeah, everybody does their first high school play and goes, oh, this is what I want to do. So, <laughs> so I was one of those. And um, so I did. I just fell in love with with theater when I was yeah. 16 years old. And I was born and raised in Denver, Colorado, which nice. I just love. I just... I feel that so much of my spirituality actually comes from the mountains of Colorado, wow. of just knowing a creator God from yeah. there. Um, but I just wanted to be classically, a classically trained theater mm -hmm. actress. That's what I wanted to do. So when I was still in high school, I set my sights on, uh, we had one of the, the nation's finest theaters in Denver, the Denver Center oh, wow. Theater Company. Yeah. And it was like a really prestigious theater. And so I... I didn't, all I wanted to do was be there. And um, so I stayed in Denver and went to the University wow. of Denver for my bachelor's. So you weren't thinking like Broadway, you were thinking, I'm going to get trained to this and see what happens. <laughs> I'm thinking Denver, baby. I want Denver, you know, and I love Denver. And um, Some Colorado people love you right yes, now. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Broncos, go Broncos. Oh, ooh, um, okay, we'll, we'll keep going because we might year. disagree. Okay. Um, but, uh, so went to the University of Denver, got my bachelor's in theater and mass communication oh, wow. because okay. I figured if I didn't make it as a theater actress, I could be a weather forecast. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know, right? What, what gals think about when you're in high school and college. Um, so I was doing all that. It was going great in the last year of my bachelor's. I did a kind of a self-made internship at the Denver Center Theater Company wow. and was there loving every minute of it. And uh, they had taken some 
funds from the National Endowment from the Arts and started the National Theater Conservatory at the Denver Center Theater Company. And I was accepted into the first class of the National Theater Conservatory. So everything was going perfectly. And um, darn if I didn't meet an actor that year, and I was way too young, but... Mm. um, met an actor and he looked like the Marlboro man and he swept me off my feet and proposed. And all of a sudden I'm looking at a fork in the road of, he was on his way out to Los Angeles to try his hand at being an actor in Los Angeles with TV and film. And I, after, you know, five years from 16 to 21 of really being very clear of what I wanted and what I was going to do, my heart had been stolen wow, so by just... an actor and a man. And um, and so I moved out to L.A. when I was 21. I didn't know anyone but him. And, um, <laughs> he, you know, he told me that uh, being an actor was being tanned near a phone. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I need to get a job. And he said, yes, you do. So mm. I am like, okay. And... Um, uh, he knew one person who was working at a, at a, in entertainment and he called her and said, you know, my wife's looking for something. And she knew a producer, one producer who was being uh, hired at a brand new production company and he needed an assistant because she was staying at NBC. And so I uh, had an interview with him and he hired me. I had one interview and I didn't, I had never studied anything about Hollywood. I didn't know anything about TV (laughs) or film. I could tell you about Shakespeare and Chekhov. When I first came out here, I was like, what's the difference between a producer and a director? I I mean, those kinds of things. You're like, wait, what is this all? You know, what's a grip? You know, yeah. People always say, casting agent yeah. and it's like there is no casting agent there's a casting director and a talent agent yeah. but they mash those two up um so anyway i got hired and he said i just don't want you to trip over wires in the stage and i'm like i'll be really <laughs> careful and he's like i'm joking like, sure. oh. so um we immediately went into um pre-production on a sitcom that they were doing for um uh, it was a brand new uh, ted turner had just launched superstation oh, wow. yeah and so it was a, a sitcom and we were seeing actors and I was just in the room to take notes for this producer. Um, I'm all 21 years old. I've been out of college for a few months. And um, what was happening is that people were coming and going and coming and going. And the casting directors would say, you know, do you want to see anything else? And the producers would say no. And the day of casting would be over and we'd get together and compare notes. And they'd say that person was close, but they didn't get there. And you know, we, they weren't finding who they wanted. We had really low money also. So we Mm. weren't seeing the cream of the crop. We were seeing people that would work for a brand new cable station money. And I was keeping his notes, but I was also taking my own notes of saying (laughs) if they had directed that actor this way or that way, they could have gotten the performance. And finally they got to a point where they hadn't found who they were looking for. And I went into this producer and I said, you know, these people, if you could direct them this way. So as an actor, you kind of knew. Like yes. you knew how to direct people because you knew what could be being under direction was like. Yes. And that's and interesting. Rather, because they would give notes like, could you be funnier? And these poor actors no one knows would how to be do like, yeah. I thought I was, you know, like, what yeah. does that mean? And so I am nobody. And I started calling up. I had no idea who the agents were, if they were big or small, but started because <laughs> this producer said, why I don't you it. do that? And it was this tiny little production company. Yeah. 
that became a lot bigger. But so I was calling up wow. and saying, you know, if so-and-so would come back in and, and work with me, I'd like to put him back in front of the producers. And some said, and you are, and those actors didn't come back in. Um, and others said, sure, like, wow. let's just, let's try and get this job. And so they, out of an ensemble of six, they cast three people from Wow. Uh, the people that I brought back and worked with. And uh, I was not being paid that much as a producer's assistant. They said, how would you like to cast as well? And I'm like, okay. So wow. I started casting when I was 22 years old. That's like the youngest casting director ever, I think. <laughs> and it's, That's wild. You know, I wasn't a Christian at that point. No. I was I was nothing, really. Um, but just talk, you look backwards in your life and you see God's favor mm-hmm. of like, that was just pure, utter favor. Yeah. Uh, right place, right time, kind people, and just a marvelous experience. But it speaks of what God had already put inside of you as well and mm. how it found placement. I think those gifts, they, they find placement wherever we go. Yeah. God's constantly working for us and through us and trying even before we're saved. I think there's I these moments, you know, right? but what happened like with, with this, you're now the casting director working in Hollywood, your husband isn't getting acting jobs. Right. And so things started to go a little south. What yeah, happened? well, you know, I was young, he was a little bit older, but I was working in the industry that he wanted to be working mm-hmm. in. He was staying at home and I, we had talked about having kids and one day he resented that I was going to work wow. and it dawned on me that I'm never going to have kids with this man because it was just a contentious not a safe marriage. And I'm glad that I had the maturity to realize a kid won't fix this. That would be the worst thing we could do. And so just kind of was really in a predicament. I didn't have a spiritual side, although, you know, I'm going to rephrase that because I, um, so many people in entertainment, this was in the Mm eighties were very spiritual. There was a big upsurge of the new age movement. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I had a great depth of spirituality. It just yeah. was misplaced. It was lost. Yeah. Um, but I I wanted help from the other side is how I was kind of saying it out loud, actually. Like, I yeah. believe there's help out there, and I'm going to plug into that. Um, and we ended up divorcing, and, um, mm. and it was, you know, nobody wants to. No wonder God hates divorce. It's a horrible thing to go through, but it's probably worse to stay in an emotionally abusive or a physically abusive marriage. And so, you know, it was kind of a relief when it came to an end. Um, but I had been really chewed up, really chewed up emotionally. Um, I found myself thinking, what difference does it make if you've graduated at the head of your class or you have a really prestigious job, which at that point I was head of casting, the company had grown. And what I was saying to myself was it doesn't make any difference if I can't love and be loved well enough Mm. to have a marriage. That's, I mean, that was the desire of my heart. I want to be loved. And so that And marriage had fundamentally failed you at that point. Absolutely. So spiritually, what was that journey like in those moments? And it sounds like it, you know, you had this great career and that whole thing, but the love factor wasn't there. So what, what started happening? Um, well, 
I had a, a dear friend who, this is all in production, by the way. These are, this is while we were at a production company. Uh, a gal had been hired who was a post-production supervisor. And she had been raised Christian, um, but it kind of walked away from her faith. Okay. So when we became friends, we didn't, we weren't talking about Jesus or yeah. religion of any kind. But she had a moment where she just said, I can't live without Jesus anymore. And she recommitted her life to the Lord. Mm. So she's one of my best friends. And I'm like, and so she's telling me <laughs> I've recommitted my life to the, to the Lord. And I'm like, okay, like, Did what does that even ridiculous mean? Ridiculous or good or weird. It was or... very alien. Yeah. It was like, like, okay, like great. But then, um, she was not, she was amazing and I just love her. And she's the reason that, um, that I'm here today talking to you about what God's wow. done in my life. It began with her and it began with her falling in love with Jesus again of saying, I can't, I can't live wow. one more day without Jesus. So she started sharing things about her faith with me. And I, I was, I was like, that's ridiculous. Like I could never <laughs> believe that. What about all the people in in some jungle that have never heard about this? Like, like really, like God doesn't like them. And I love, she said, you know, she said, I don't know about those people. She said, all I know about is me mm. and God's put this in front of me and I have to make a decision about what I believe. She said, whatever, whatever goes on with every other person, that's God's business, wow. but I don't, I'm not going to like not make a decision about God because of that. And so, uh, there was one night where I just wanted to hang out with her and I called her up and I said, uh, you know, let's do something. And she said, well, actually I'm trying to find a church and I'm going to a church. It was midweek. It was a Tuesday night. And, um, she said, I'm going to go to a church service tonight that I've heard about. Do you want to come? <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't care. Like I wasn't against. That was brave of you. Well, I wasn't, I was spiritual. I was very spiritually yeah. open and I had nothing against Christianity. It's like, I was one of those that would say all, all paths lead to God. Yeah. So this is a good path too. And on the way there, uh, we were driving from the Valley to the, you know, to Wilshire. And, um, she said, I told her, I, I looked at her and I said, you know, I could never believe what you believe. And I don't like it that you look at me and think I'm wrong. Mm. And she said, she said, Kim, I've never thought of you as being wrong. Mm. She said, I think of you as lost. And she said, do you want to know how I pray for you? And it was like, you pray for me? That's like, oh, what what does that even mean? What like what is that? <laughs> like and it just felt like, oh my gosh, that's like watching me when I sleep. Like, what that are you funny. doing? Wow. And she said, Kim, she said, I pray for you and I physically feel pain in my body mm. for you. She said, ever since I've known you, you have been somebody that's talked about wanting to get help from the other side. She said, You are looking for God. And she said, but you, she said, when I pray for you, I see you like in a jungle and you are running in this jungle and you are tripping over roots and skinning your knees and, and branches are slapping into your arms and you are bloodied and bruised mm. and you keep getting up and running deeper, looking for a path that just isn't there. And she said, I am on the path that I think you're looking for. And somebody else got bloodied and bruised for me. Oh, wow. And his name is Jesus. And we pulled into a parking spot and walked into the church. And that was the night that God moved me from darkness to light and wow. just saved me. And I just, in the church service that night, I said yes to the Lord. And it was, 
It was God's gift. He gave me the gift of faith. So whenever I pray for people, I don't pray for them to come to faith. I pray for God to give them the gift of faith. It's a wow. gift. It is a gift. And I think so many people in the entertainment industry, because you were in the entertainment industry from that point on until you just start pastoring full time. Yeah. And so many people in the entertainment industry are so hungry and so spiritual. We've never actually had rejection if I've said, can I share some things with you? Mm -hmm. I've never, unless it sounds multi-level marketing, you know, if it sounds like a cult or something, but I'm just being genuine in my faith and saying, I have some spiritual thoughts. Can I share them with you? Everyone's like, you have spiritual thoughts? I want to hear them. (laughs) Or have you had a dream recently that means something to you? I'm going to help you with that. And they get excited. It's just such a different environment. And entertainment because all artists, like you had said that earlier to me before we got on here, it's all artists. They're all creative. They they're spiritual inherently. Yes. And I love that in that spiritual moment, your friend had the, the walk with God, the passion for Jesus that she was willing to share it in such a palatable way. Yes. It's so good. You know, I've never had anybody say no if I've offered to pray for them. Yeah, me either. Yeah, I agree. And it's That's like, amazing. I, I, uh, one of my business partners was Jewish and we would actually end up praying a lot in the wow. office at the talent agency and we'd take hands and, and I'd say, I'd say God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And she'd squeeze my hand and she'd go, are we praying to my God? I'm like, yeah, you were Abraham, <laughs> Isaac, and Jacob. That's <laughs> but amazing. It, it was just, um, people people are hungry. People are so spiritually open and, um, we just have to be able to speak into their lives with love. Well, I love where we're going with this interview and we have to come right back in just a few minutes to hear more about the talent agency you started and casting, directing, all these things. Come join us. Hey, Exploring the Industry listeners, we have an incredible book that I just released just for you. My new book, Provision, Prophecies, Prayers, and Declarations is out now. I wrote this book so that you would have a very specific tool to help you use words to define your own history and future with God. Throughout human history, we've seen prayer and the prophetic and declarations shape society, set culture, provide heritage, and bring vision for the future. And when you combine prayers, declarations, and prophecies like you encounter in this book, you become even more intentional about the power of words. Prophecies, prayers, and declarations are instrumental for us to enter our promised land. This book, Provision, Prophecies, Prayers, and Declarations, will cover topics in finances, resources, family, influence, favor, business, and more. Through this book, I'm inviting you on the journey of learning how to use words to speak in the very fabric of your life, the spiritual realm and the world around you. I pray that you'll find yourself using and reusing this book as you hear God speak to your heart. You can get our book anywhere books are sold, but if you get it at bullsministries.com and you pre-order it or post-order it, you're going to get a very exclusive teaching series. So I want to encourage you to get it there. Welcome back. I'm here with Pastor Kim Doran. We're talking all about your salvation story, but also how you entered into the industry. You got saved at this church service, but you stayed in the entertainment industry, which a lot of people would have left it because mm-hmm. it was villainized so much in that time period. What kept you? Well, I was working at an incredible production company. Yeah. It was, they were amazing people. So there was, there was, uh, Sean, for all the years that I've worked in entertainment, I do not have a Hollywood horror story. I mean, I love that. nothing that, uh, I think that, I don't know, God's just protected me. I'm one of those that's just had, yeah. I have great stories. So I had no reason to leave. I loved casting. I loved, loved, loved casting because, you know, it felt like I had left my dream behind in Denver, but yeah. what they don't tell you when you're getting a degree in theater 
is that you actually get to act every single day mm. with some of the best actors in the world when you're auditioning them and you get to discover them and you get to recognize talent in I others. And so it was the most phenomenal job because, you know, I wanted to be able to earn a living. So being a casting director was an office job where I got to act. It was perfect so for me this is a great and, description i yeah. think I, I could do that based on you saying that not that i could do yeah. that at all but you know it was that wonderful. sounds so exciting and um so i i would have never left i loved it um but the the company and i've worked there uh just a little about nine and a half years our um ceo retired and was like i'm i'm done making television wow. i was like oh okay so we all had to kind of disperse and go find something else and just the way uh things were um it was that 92 is when i went through a divorce beginning of 93 went to that church service you know the day that i got saved was march 16th how do i remember that because it was 316 that mm. i got saved oh, that's so awesome. isn't that amazing yeah. i love and, those um, signposts from god know, he's so right? delicate 316 and um the company closed shortly after that so now i'm divorced, saved, unemployed, wow. and with a mortgage. So you are going to be recreated at that point in your entire life. The, well, wow. so you go through that summer, I got an offer to work at a, a talent agency, which I didn't want to work at a talent agency. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go from being a buyer to a seller. That's mm -hmm. a really hard shift. And a, even an income to a commission, right? Commission. So that's and way different. It was supposed to be really commission. high commission, but there was something that kind of even kind of took that away. But it was a brand new start. I, I didn't want to be a talent agent, but it was the door that opened in front of me. I'm a brand new baby Christian. And I said to my friend that had taken me to that church service, I said, I'm just going to stand here until God opens a door. And she's like, I think that door opened. It's like, you need a job. Here's a really creative job. Take it. You don't have to keep it. It's like, so funny because it. so many people would want to do that. But for you, it, was, it wasn't acting and it wasn't that kind of role where you get to help discover people. Well, you casting. are... It's a little different because it it's different. more sales, even though it is still discovering people. And you did yes. discover some very key people yeah. in the industry. But it's it, I'm sure you didn't look at it that way because it's did it feel like a promotion, demotion, same level? Well, see, agents, ha talk about who has a bad rap. Agents had a really yeah. bad rap. It was like lawyers and agents. Lawyers yeah. and agents are at the bottom of the pool, you know, and um there were some great in there were there are some great talent agents that are all about the creativity Come on, and represent, the people, represent. <laughs> right? The people you're representing yeah. human beings. Yeah. Um, and so it's not just all about the bottom line. And that's what I really brought to it. Um, so took that job and, um, but when you just finish the cycle of everything that God changed between 93 and 94, January of 94, the earthquake, the massive oh, earthquake yeah, happened yeah. here. So everything that I owned physically broke. And so oh at that point, it was like, I just like was 100% starting over. So wow. new home, new, new job, new place to live. And um, so just dug in to being a talent agent. And... Um, it was just, it was starting over again. It was starting at the bottom of the pecking mm -hmm. order. And, uh, you know, it's sometimes I think that actors and many people in the industry want to hang on to 
you know, I've gotten here and you're supposed to kind of keep going up. And I think that the industry is one where you, you get to a mountaintop and then there's a valley and then there's okay. a mountaintop and then there's a valley. And, you know, there's just, there's a humility that accompanies. I know I certainly got a dose of humility of just starting over, Wow! but you dig in, right? You dig in and you work hard and that's what I did. Well, so you started out with like children too, like children and youth. Yes. Which was that your passion? No, <laughs> I no. said it as a joke because I know it wasn't no. at the time. Yeah, I remember I wanted to be doing Shakespeare and Chekhov and Ibsen. So Not commercials now with I'm kids. <laughs> this, the agency was primarily a commercial agency, yeah. and the only theatrical department that they had was in kids theatrical. So okay. theatrical is TV and film, mm -hmm. and commercial obviously commercials. And so they they're real you know, their moneymaker was commercials. And yeah. so it's finding cute kids and, you know, pajama footies and getting them get as many out as you can. It was about yeah. throwing spaghetti against the wall and yeah. seeing what sticks, which didn't appeal to me at all. Um, but that's, that's what we were supposed to be doing. I mean, it wasn't that bad. Like we were selecting people and treating them nicely, but there wasn't a lot of I used to see one of the kids involved. from back then who you helped discover going, I wasn't her favorite thing. No, I'm just <laughs> I know, kidding. right? I'm just well, what really? Because there were some real like breakthrough discoveries that were our theatrical people. Wow, you know. Um, and then I had I had known a ton of actors when I was a casting director, and those actors found out that I was now a talent agent and started coming adult, you know, wow. and saying, "You you know my career better than my talent agent. Would you represent me?" Oh, it's amazing. Yes. Yeah. And so it wasn't, I wasn't trying to start an adult list. What I wanted to do was represent people that I just believed in passionately. So I said yes to some of those people. And some of those people are what made creating an adult theatrical department possible. Mm. And so we, we built an adult theatrical department that grew and grew. And then there finally came a time where it was... It, we just needed to um, unzip our relationship with our umbrella agency. And they I were, love this story, though, because yeah. it's unique. To keep telling the story because I think there's that part in the story where your Christianity came into play very uniquely because so much of what's done in the entertainment industry is people part ways. It's one of the main things that happens in the entertainment industry, and it's usually ugly. Yeah. So people have three or four stories that they've been in this industry for 25 years that are the hardest stories they tell, like a divorce. And you did you did this whole thing so differently. Well, it was it's just your it's the right thing to do. Yeah. So um, I just recently brought in a business partner, and so she was in our adult. This is we had we had renamed a division of the agency, Defining Artists, which was our theatrical mm. branch. So we were already trying to brand the theatrical department differently. But commercial just needed to kind of go a different way. And so it was just, it was the right time to, to yeah. go. Um, but when I came into the agency, there was the, the person who I was supposed to be replacing actually took the kids and young adults division and took it to another agency. And the gal that owned the agency did not see that coming. And so she yeah. literally had a hundred money-making clients that were just taken from her. So sad. And so normal, but so it's sad. It's so normal. But that yeah. was one of the first things that I saw as a talent agent of like, wow, that was awful. So now the writing's on the wall. It's time for us to go. And we, and I love the, my business partner that, that we went, I went into business with because we both wanted to do this right, mm. which means we don't leave at midnight stealing our Rolodexes. We left it 
high noon with a deal on the table where we paid. Um, we took all of our money-making clients and took a trajectory of what we thought they would make over the next five years and paid that amount of That's money. That's wild. Right? I mean, that's so much integrity right It was there. kind of, looking back, it was pretty crazy because yeah. all of the contracts that we thought we had that would go multiple years, they were over within a couple of years. Oh, wow. And so it was, that was just the, the hard times were the financial times, you know? Um, but so we got into defining artists. And in the meantime, I've gotten a call, call from God to start at seminary that I'm being called into ministry. And so what was I it was. like for the people around you? You all of a sudden go to Fuller Seminary. What did everybody say? Who was like the Jewish woman working with you? What was that like for Well, them? she hadn't come in yet. She was later in my journey. Okay. There, the gal who owned the agency, this is pretty amazing. I, um, she was just a, she was, was her agency and, uh, when I started, I mean, it was a pretty profound call, like unmistakable call to ministry. Um, I wanted to start at Fuller and I had applied to Fuller and gotten accepted. So now it comes time to tell my boss, like, I'd like to go to school while I'm working here. Yeah. And, and seminary on top of that. Well, that was it, right? I, I'm seminary. Just saying, like, that I don't, yeah. She's probably never heard that right. in her life. Yeah, she's like, exactly. what is seminary? She was kind of a new ager too. <laughs> okay. So, I, and she was known for, as any agency would be, that if an, a talent agent is literally 24-7, you're, mm. you're working, you're taking clients out, you're going to screenings and premieres, you are always, oh, always, wow. always, always working. And if you're not always working, then we don't need you to work here anymore. Like, Go, go take care of whatever you want to do, but we, we need you fully. So, and, and she lived by that. So I'm like really entering in a risky place. Wow. And I went into her one morning and, and said, I need to talk to you. And my heart was beating a mile a minute. And I said, you know, at that point, um, <gasps> I'm still a relatively young Christian, but I was, I'd been on two mission trips where like I took vacation time and went on a mission trip to Egypt, oh, wow. you know? And so, so she's seen me do that. She's seen me leaving work in order to get to a prayer meeting. So I go in and I say, I, I think I started talking like a mile a minute. I'm like, I think I'm being called by God to go into ministry, but I don't know what he's doing. And I, so I'd really like to start seminary, but is that okay if I do it? I won't, I'll like to work here and you won't lack for my time. I'll put in all this focus. And I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh my God, all out. And I'm thinking, she's going to fire me. She's going to fire me. And there was this pause and she went, what can I do to make this happen for you? Wow. Again, just favor, yeah. just favor. And I walked out of that office thinking, this is going to be fine as long as there's money coming in. Mm -hmm. And in the time that I was in seminary, our, our department actually earned more. Then, awesome. yeah. yeah, and so that's just that. I love those endorsements. I love those endorsements from God, and I think so many people who are watching, who are maybe in the entertainment industry, or maybe a politician or a business person, they're afraid to take that jump, yeah, because they're afraid of what it might mean for their career or their reputation. And I love that you were brave enough and you said yes because it helps everybody. Everybody gets blessed by our obedience, and that's maybe not directly in a way that we could see it at first, but that Romans eight twenty eight. Dynamic, he works it all out. He works it all for our good. So I love that. And then you started a ministry called Beacon, which was very unique. You joined Bel Air Presbyterian. Right, yeah. Bel Air Presbyterian, which I love. This has been a historic church in our city. It's been one of the forerunners to lead entrepreneurial groups and entertainment groups. And 
I mean, the who's who of many celebrities who want to discover who Jesus is have gone there mm-hmm. and visited or even attended for seasons. There's many that are still there now. And you joined this church and you started this ministry. How did this happen? Oh, just another God thing. So Absolutely. I had started seminary and um, I was attending Bel Air. It was the church that I was going to, but part of seminary was doing internships and a lot of things oh, okay. outside. So I wasn't yeah. actually at Bel Air at the time. And we had a um, pastor that came and um, he he had a lot of big thoughts. And um, they had done a, a sermon series where they were blessing people in their vocations. Mm-hmm. And so they would say, if you're in the medical profession, stand up and we're going to pray for you and anoint you and bless you, you know, I love that. education. So it was back in the day when the pastors used to sit up on the, the Bema. And so the pastors could all see, um, you know, our the inside of our sanctuary. And uh, they said, if you work in entertainment, stand up. And more than half of the congregation wow. stood up at every one of the services. And it was this visual of, oh my gosh, like we had no idea that that many people working in entertainment attended this church. Yeah. And so it gave birth to the idea that we should have an entertainment ministry. It would be bigger than the women's ministry, bigger than yeah. the men's ministry. It could be amazing. So they started looking. They wanted a pastor that was bivocational. They wanted somebody that was, uh, they wanted to ordain someone to, you wow. know, to be an on-staff pastor. Which is very unusual at yes. that time to ordain someone for pastoral ministry and entertainment. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. think we were one of the first, if not the first. Mm-hmm. And um, so they were looking for this strange hybrid of someone that worked in the entertainment industry and someone who could be ordained as a PCUSA pastor. And there were <laughs> three like, of us. I'm getting my seminary degree. Is exactly. that weird? You know? <laughs> there were three of us. That's one um, was a person that was a vice president of the Writers Guild. Wow. One was a gal that was a, uh, a newscaster and wow. me. And the, the newscaster kind of went another area and the guy at the Writers Guild is still at the Writers Guild. And so I was kind of like the last person standing <laughs> of like, okay. And so it was a part-time, it was a, you know, a 20 hour a week. What, whenever you're in pastoral ministry, it's, it's never, never like this many hours, but you're like 80 hours a week. Yeah, plus. exactly. Yeah. That's part-time. Yeah. Um, so I, was hired and was that controversial as far as a woman being put in ministry there too? Or was no, that pretty normal? No. Um okay. PC USA um That's believes normal. that. Yeah, okay, exactly. Um so I was still working at the talent agency. And so now I'm doing both. And I'm wow. at the talent agency doing some ministry things and I'm at the church doing some talent agency things. Yeah. And I'm just fully in both worlds. And that was the way things were for a long time. Um my hours kind of ebbed and flowed with what they needed. And so it was yeah. got kind of hard. Well, kind of tell us what was that like to, to be a pastor over entertainers? And I mean, cause you still are kind of as an executive pastor, you're still pastoring in the entertainment industry. You can't yes. help it. But in that season, it was so focused. So what are some of the events or the highlight reel of what God was doing? Right. You know, one of the things, um, when we got, it was called beacon was the name yeah. of our entertainment ministry. When I first got it launched and there was a whole think tank of like, what would we, what would we want this? Like mm-hmm. our vision was we want to be able to have a safe place where, you know, executive producers can sit down with, you know, brand new actors that are new to the industry. And that's still hard to do because really of the hard. whole networking thing. Um, but one of the first things that we brought up was this division between um, creatives that were called to produce for Christian, the Christian market yeah. and those that were called to work 
in secular entertainment. And there was just a kind of a chasm and people judged like the choices that the others were making. And so one of the first things was to say, we're not like, we're all going to be here. We're going to, if you're called to Christian entertainment, we're praying for you. And if you're called to secular entertainment, we're praying for you. And they're both paths that God blesses. They're not, Mm -hmm. there's not one that's wrong. And so I think that that was kind of the climate. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was back in what, 2006, seven? Yeah, 2005, 2006. Yeah. And so that was like, definitely the faith base was emerging and yes. a lot of it was very immature. And so there was every once in a while it'd be a really good project, but the rest of them were way lower budget, right. way lower talent level. And so there was a judgment between those who worked in the secular entertainment towards the faith base. At the same time, the faith based people felt like they had God's project for the hour. So there's that. And so the fact that you stepped in there and built unity and relationship that is still lasting to this day, like there's still relationships that you guys were responsible for, mm. Thank you. Aww, That's huge. Yeah. It's a huge thing. Tell us some of the other things that happened in that time. Um, what, one of the things I loved is, you know, my um, my experience had been largely with actors. And I used to have actors that would make appointments to come in and see me pastorally. Yeah. So actors from the church. And they'd come in and they'd put a script on the desk and say, Pastor Kim, read page 46. Can I do page 46? <laughs> Can <laughs> I do so that? Profound. And I'd read it and I'd go, okay. And I said, well, let's get out the rule book. And I'd get out the Bible and flip through the Bible and I'd say, we don't have a rule book. We actually have a living God. And God may tell you that you can do this project where he will tell another Christian that he can't do this project. Mm -hmm. And so are you, are you willing to move how God is directing you? Because I think there's a lot more freedom than, than there are rules. And, and that's scary Christians like rules. Christians, that brings a lot of Christians anxiety to even hear you say that. Yeah. Because you're saying, well, somebody can justify something that they want based yes. on what you're saying. And it's true. People are going to make mistakes. But ultimately, if we're driven by a relationship to make Christ be glorified, right? then there's a place where we're going to take on the morality because we're protecting holiness. I mean, I think of holiness for us, not for God. Holiness for him is perfection. Yeah. For us, it's we're protecting our love and our connection to him. So if I do this role that actually takes away my connection to God or takes away someone else's connection from God, then obviously it's not something I want to work on. And I think the more mature you get, the better you get at deciding that. But I mean, for you as a pastor to be able to give someone the power to make that decision, I think it's so right and right. so beautiful. And you know, and there, is, uh, there were, you know, very secular shows yeah. and there were Christians saying, I've gotten offered this role but I don't know if I should take it, but I just feel like God's pressing me to take it. And those were times that God had an appointment for them on set. It wasn't about the show at all. It was about a conversation that they had while they were there. And that's part of this. if, If no Christians will go into, will march into hell for a heavenly cause, you know, if no Christians will go, then who's God going to send to have Absolutely. conversations? I think of Joseph when he was in, you know, Egypt and he's there and he's in this pagan system, but yes. he never compromised who he was. And he wasn't responsible for what the Pharaoh created. He right. just was responsible for who he is in that, in that environment and how he honors God. And I think, you, I mean, it's such a great biblical example for people in entertainment industries yeah. because you can be Joseph. You don't have to be compromised at all. That's right. But you can't necessarily be the highest level governor either. So you're going to have to serve with integrity. Right. And, and that Joseph part is didn't huge. didn't work against Pharaoh. Never. Joseph helped Pharaoh prosper. Yeah. So that's what Christians, you know, Christians need to do good work 
and and be honest and yeah. not not be quite so caught up in the rules i think i think there's just more freedom to tell great stories that's so good so uh in this season you got you were bringing people together to really just connect not network but to connect yes. and support each other yeah and so much was birthed out of that but what is like one of your favorite things that happened Oh gosh, we had um, we would we started doing some screenings of movies, oh, and nice. and so I uh, represent a wonderful actor named Haas Slayman who um, did a movie called The Visitor that was a participant film, and it was just such a unique story. And I got to know the people at participant. I said, could we screen this? Could we do a Bel Air screening for this? And they said yes. So we wow. were going to get the West Coast screening um, premiere of The Visitor. And a few days before before our screenings, we've invited all. It's Ronald Reagan's church, right? Yeah. Um, a few days before we were having our screening, and it was at a movie theater. It wasn't at our church. We were going to a theater. I get a call, and they say we've got like we're still having the screening, but we have to. There's another group that's coming. It's the director's sister was promised that she could have the West Coast screening, so we've just got to put them together. It's the only thing we can do. Mm. I said okay. And they said it's the ACLU. I'm like. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. So we're having the ACLU and Ronald Reagan's church. And so we did the screening and I, I had put together a panel. And so we had Haas and we had uh, a minister who's, um, does global missions at, at Fuller Seminary. Okay. Incredible guy. And we had the director's sister, who's one of the main people at the ACLU. So wow. it was like a Muslim actor, a Christian missionary and this ACLU gal. And, and the, audience is completely mixed between ACLU and people from Bel Air Presbyterian wow. Church. And so there were, it was a question and answer and I'm moderating and there were a number of, of questions and towards the end, this was like, this was worth the whole thing. Someone you could, the ACLU was all sitting up closer and the Bel Air people were sitting up toward the back and one of the guys raised his hand and he said, the visitor was about immigration and a voice for the voiceless. Yeah. And uh, he said, I understand why the ACLU's here. Like, that's why we are, like, that's us. And the actor, awesome. He goes, I don't understand at all why Christians are here. Why, why are you here? Why do you even care about this movie? Yeah. And I looked down at, at Paul, who was our minister, and I said, do you want to take that one? He's such a gracious, beautiful man. And he said, yes. He said, well, this movie speaks about a voice to the voiceless, a friend to the friendless, he goes, this movie speaks directly to Christians because that's who Jesus is. Wow. And to the extent that we would draw a line and not follow Jesus where he goes is the extent that we stop following our Lord. Wow. So this is a movie that speaks to us because we have to go that extra mile. That's so awesome. It's like, wow. wow. And it's a moment in and time. And then we became friends with the ACLU. <laughs> which is how it happens. Is yeah. you, all of a sudden we find out we're fighting the same battles. That's right. Which is just crazy. Yeah. Well, we have to come back in just a few minutes and we're going to talk more about Christians in the entertainment industry, specifically some of the, the things that you've seen that are unique. And I think you're going to really love this conversation. So come join us. I sure hope you're enjoying exploring the industry, our brand new podcast in the Exploring series. We've explored the prophetic, now exploring the industry, and we have secret ones coming up as well, which is really fun. 
Well, it's listeners like you who partner to us that make us be able to or enable us to be able to make these incredible podcasts and to create conversations that show you what God's doing behind the scenes in people's lives, especially in the entertainment industry where you don't normally get a God vantage point. And I love that these incredible people in film, television, music, and all the other industries are sharing such vulnerable stories of how God is doing things in their life and changing the world around them. And we want to continue to make these incredible conversations and to be able to speak this narrative into the body of Christ so we would have faith for what God can and will do. So please join our partnership. Or if you just want to give a one-time donation, go to bowlsministries.com and click on partner. We're back with something real, something fake with my guest, Kim Dora. This is so fun because these are things based on a little bit about you. Not really. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to read you something that's real and something that's fake, and you have to decide which one is true. And this first one is about casting directors. Okay. Which you're an expert in. You may even know this because right away, which one's true. The first one is upcoming. Liv Tyler is bringing feminism back to the box office with her upcoming portrayal of none other than the 007. The new producer of the franchise, Jim Davenport, says that the world is ready for a strong woman to change things up. And has had his eyes on Liv, who can get away with anything on screen. So that's fact number one. Okay. Fact number two. In 1991, Kevin Costner was so popular that he could get away with just about anything except skipping out on an English accent for his role in Robin Hood. He just wrapped Dances with Wolves and was preparing to star in JFK, two career-defining films. Robert Ebert gave the film a sad review, summarizing that the most depressing thing about the movie is that children will attend expecting to have a good time. Which one is true? So the, the second quote about Kevin Costner was about Robin Hood? Was about Robin Hood. I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> you did it. Yes. <laughs> Why he yes. didn't have an English accent? He just... It's so bizarre. Well, I love that movie. He now. tried. I think he tried. Oh, and he couldn't do it. And it was just like... Yeah. It no, was like... It's, just, it, it was completely... I mean, I remember going to it and just thinking... I mean, I think I was 15 years old. Going, yeah. What is happening? I don't understand why everyone else, even Morgan Freeman, has an English accent. Right. And he's like an American. He's an <laughs> American nominated. So. But I love the Liv Tyler one. That was a good well, one. Well, funny enough is that uh, the new 007 are talking about having a woman role after yeah. this current one, which I think would be amazing. Yes. It's such an empowering thing. I know. Thing. That would be great. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. Probably not Liv Tyler. Yeah. But it was a fun thought. Okay. We have another one. I don't know. Right? She's the yeah, Elfin right. Princess. Oh, you never know. That's yeah. true. Okay. Beacon. You had a ministry called Beacon, and Beacon is such a cool word. And I have two facts about beacons. Okay. So you have to decide which one is true. Number one, new technologies called Beacon Industries is shaking things up by putting beacons in your smart devices. These small beacons actually help your phone to find Wi-Fi and smart signals up to 50 times faster and 10 times stronger. The problem with them, NASA graded their EMF distribution as an F. You want cancer? Make sure to buy this technology and you will get it, said Albert Feinstein of NASA. That's that's number one. Wow. Okay. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I said like a dog. <laughs> oh, okay. That's number one. Okay. Number two. Beacon blocks are a staple in the famous video game franchise Minecraft. Now, because of the light, they admit you don't need to build pesky torches, but the beacons themselves put out lights, saving gamers hundreds of hours of unnecessary crafting. Miles Brown, an 11 year old in Nebraska, said, I used to spend an hour a week making light sources that weren't as good as lighting up the dangers of night as my beacon blocks. Thank you, Minecraft. This just keeps getting better. 
Which one is true? <laughs> I know nothing about either one of these. I am <laughs> going to take a wild guess. I'm going to say number one. Number two. I oh, beat you. Oh, yes. you did. Did you? That oh, so, so that Miles Brown, that's a that's real, a real person. Boy. Wow. And he's very happy. But what is it then that you'll get cancer from with your smartphone? Because well, that's true. Right? It's probably true, but NASA actually put out a report that EMFs don't affect us and don't bring oh, us cancer at all. Okay. And Beacon is actually, there is now beacons in phones, but NASA, I made that all up. Wow, that was you. really well done. Thank you Really well much. done. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> I should be right. You should. <laughs> Thanks for playing. <laughs> Everyone needs someone to process their prophetic journey with them. And we have created a new online mentoring platform where you can grow at your own pace, where we help you to develop your own spiritual journey of hearing God's voice. I want to help be your mentor. We have videos, interactive webinars, over five new videos each week. They're going to advance you in your journey and authority. We have so many special opportunities in this platform that you don't want to miss it including all of our other e-courses coming for free when you subscribe. Come grow with me. Let me train you in your ability to hear from God and interpret what you hear and really bring applications so that your real life is affected by your spiritual faith. Go to bowlsministries.com and sign up under e-courses. We're back with Kim Dore. She's a pastor at Biller Presbyterian Church, and you do the executive pastoring there, but you also work in the entertainment industry and have for your whole life. And I love our conversation, because I think a lot of Christians don't understand how to relate to how entertainment Christians make decisions behind the scenes. And we kind of had this conversation that we both, I, I geek out on this conversation of, as a Christian, how do I accept roles? How do I, how do I balance and weigh those things with God? And you told me a story about one of the people you were casting. No, one of the people you were managing. Let's talk about representing. Yes. Let's talk about that. <laughs> well, um, I started Jessica Alba when she wow. was 14. I found her in a <laughs> workshop and what an amazing gal. And yeah. she um, was given an opportunity after we had her on a TV show and she was offered an after school special. It's this long ago that they those. used to do after school yes. specials. And it was a role that was going to be starring opposite Freddie Prince Jr., and it was to it was about a teenage pregnancy, yeah. and she was the girl who had the teenage pregnancy, and she was a Christian and a very she, like she really took her faith seriously, and so here's a job offer on the table, yeah. and there wasn't it was for after school it was made for kids so there wasn't anything that was really stand out bad about it except that she was a teenage yeah you know pregnancy pregnant. yeah. and Jessica said I think I want to turn it down because I don't I don't want to I don't want to portray somebody. I don't want to affirm teenage pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And I remember being on the phone with her when she was processing what decision to make. And her manager was on the phone with her. And he, he was just so, it was so profound what he said. Um, because I don't know if he, I don't know if he even knew about her faith at that point. Yeah. And he said, he said, we, you know, whatever you want to do is what you want to do. We're, we don't want to talk you into this. We don't want to talk you out of it. And I'm not trying to do either. He said, what I want to just reflect back to you is that what you've just told me is that you care about this issue. You mm -hmm. actually really have strong opinions about it. If you don't do this, it's going to get made and someone else will do the role. And, and that person will be able to go on talk shows and talk about this. That person, we don't know what they're going to say yeah. about this they role. They may not care. They may falsely represent it. Or they might just talk about starring opposite Freddie Prince yeah. Jr. and miss it all together. And he said, you would be able to have the distance from the character with who you are 
to reflect on that character wow. and talk about what it means to you. And I think that sometimes, you know, actors think that even all creatives, directors, writers think that this, this work is me and particularly with actors because it's your, it's your face, yeah. it's your voice. Um, but we forget that we get to say, you know, I didn't like that guy. Al Pacino, yeah. when he did Devil's Advocate, was like, wow, that was really hard to do as a Catholic. Mm. Like, I'm going to play the devil. And so I think that sometimes we forget that we can, there's a distance between what the art and who we are yeah. and that we get to comment on it. And so I just thought that was a really profound insight that he offered to her. Well, I think so many Christians have told me they've come out here and they've said, I want to be an actor. And they say, but I won't do a kissing scene and I won't do, I won't ever be an evil character. I want, right. and I said, well, the reality is like, you won't ever play an evil character, but what if that's what shows the victory? Like in Indiana yes. Jones, the person who plays, it doesn't have to be like a super edgy movie. It could just be like an entertaining movie. Like the person who's the bad guy in Indiana Jones, like it's, we need the bad guy for the good guy to look good. That's right. And so there's those stories of, in the Bible that are biblical epics. And we had talked about this with, you know, David and Bathsheba. If right. a real movie is made about that, what do you do when the Bible really highlights the story of her in a bathtub? And that's when he looks at her when she's naked in a bathtub and he's lusting after her. And there's that moment where you, the, the humanity of who he is and the lust of who he is is actually represented really well because you need to see him go through that journey. Yes. And so you, you talk about that for a minute. Well, and someone needs to play Bathsheba. Yeah. And... This, whether it's Christians or non-Christians, that's, it's in the Bible. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible yeah. that Christians are uncomfortable representing. And it's like this, this, it's not, pornography is an easy no. Yeah. Pornography objectifies. Um, but when there's something, Bathsheba, to me, seems pretty innocent in that story. She yeah. didn't know someone was watching her. So... She's not trying to be seductive. She's not trying to be seductive. Yeah. Um, she actually tried to be faithful to her husband. Mm -hmm. And um, so somebody needs to play Bathsheba. Now, if every Christian says, oh, I won't do that role, then what are we saying? Like somebody yeah. tainted will do that role. Somebody less than me will do that role. We're, so we good. have these judgments that come. And even some, I had a an, um, male actor who said, I don't want to play anybody evil. And I said, so what if they were doing, you know, the story of Jesus and you were cast as Judas? Yeah. You wouldn't take Judas? It's like, oh, well, that would be different. I'm like, tell me, tell me how. Why? Yeah, how is that different? And this guy was interesting because he said, there was a, a, a television show on that was about witches and he kept called getting called in and uh, he didn't want to say no to the show because he wanted to be on it, but he didn't want to play a warlock or whatever it was. Yeah. And so rather than saying how he felt, he said, I want, tell him I'm out of town or tell him I'm busy. And I'm like, let me get this straight. You're instructing me to lie for you in order wow. to protect your Christian morality. <laughs> And Snap. sometimes That's you just what, yeah. have to say, what, what's in this for you? Yeah. Because so behind the scenes, there wasn't that pure motive. It, the purity would have been just tell them that that's how I feel. Yeah. And so it's funny what we'll instruct people to do for us. Mm -hmm. And so it's there's a confusion, I think, for for all creatives, for anybody of like, what am I working on? What am I putting into the world? Yeah. I think the more identity we get in ourselves and the more community we have that we're plugged into, the more Christianity that we're plugged in that's that's life-giving and isn't just the rule following. 
then there's that place where we make decisions differently, especially once you have family or you're married, you just start to say no to a lot of things. It just wouldn't make sense anyways. And you don't make excuses for it. But I think a lot of people, maybe when they're coming out and they're first learning about something or how they're going to participate, they don't know how to say no to protect something. So they, they do mm-hmm. make excuses or they do uh, do avoidance. So they do, I mean, we're the masters at conflict avoidance as Christians. Yeah. And in the entertainment industry, that doesn't work because people want clear answers. They want to be told, you know, like, tell me what you want and what you don't want. Yeah. And let's just go from there. Tell me where something that you saw Christian work on that you were involved with, you know, through the ministry that felt like maybe one of these kinds of stories where they chose something that wasn't the normal Christian thing, but there was fruit from it. Oh, let me think. You can think about it for a minute too. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a Christian actor that chose something. Um, Well, this wasn't an actor that I represented, but it was one of the stories that we told in Beacon was that there was a a comedy um, that was shooting and this guy needed a job really badly and he got offered this show and he's like, oh, like I've been praying and praying and praying for a job and then this show is the one that I get offered and he had a really insignificant role in it, but it would pay his rent that month. So he's one of the ones who was like, should I do this or not? And he ended up feeling like God... um, was telling him yes so he took this role and you know it it was um it was a it would have been like a you know like a um like it was married with children that's what it was we'll just say the name of the show it was married with children and it was a it was an episode where al was considering cheating on peggy oh wow and so this guy was like a pizza delivery boy, but the woman that was the girl that Al was going to cheat with, they had shot the scene, and all of a sudden the director said, I think we should try it where you like, expose yourself. And the actress was like, this week we didn't talk about it, and it was happening in real time on the set. And she was like shocked and didn't know what to do yeah and so she's like, I just need a minute to think about this. And because the audience wasn't going to see it. Only it would have been upstage, you know, yeah. and so only Al would have seen it, but still. And so here's this pizza delivery boy and he went to her and he said, he said, it seems like you're really uncomfortable with this. And she said, I am. And he said, well, you know, I'll go talk to the director with you if you want. <laughs> and she's like, you would? And he goes, he's yeah. like being her brother. And he's like, do you want to pray together? And she's like, Yes. And so he prayed and he went and just stood by her side when she went to the director and said, this is just unnecessary. And actually this whole storyline, it's not the Al Bundy that we know. And they ended up rewriting the scene. Now that doesn't always happen, but for that particular guy, you know, he was there and I, it's like, he was the pizza delivery guy. God could have put anybody there, Um, but he put him there to have that conversation and to notice, you know, sometimes Christians can say, oh, that's not my fight. It's not my battle. But to, to go to somebody and say, are you uncomfortable with this? Like, I'll stand with you. That's so amazing. What a picture. It's funny. I had a friend who she's a writer and I won't say what show, but, uh, that this was on, but she was a writer on a show and she's like, why am I, it's her second job, but her first job was really prolific. So she could choose anything, but this is the one that was paying the most that she felt like God said, yes, not just because of pay, but God said, yes. And she's like, this is the one I want to do the least. And, but she was obedient on that show. She was stopping jokes. She was stopping perversions. She was stopping and keeping it really true to the characters to where it could be. She'd want her teenagers to watch it, you know, but she was, she felt like it was a battle every, and she was on it for two or three years. I can't remember how long. 
But during that time, that was the golden years of the show. Right. And so she, when she went on to the show that she wanted to work on, she asked God, why did you allow me to do that? This is so frustrating. And he said, I told you you're a gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. And this is my second friend who's had this exact same experience. And he, and she goes, yeah, but a gatekeeper, I'm supposed to open the doors of heaven. And he goes, no, but you also keep the door shut to hell. Right. And there's that thing where we go into society like Daniel in Babylon, where he's literally keeping the gates to hell shut mm. where he's saying, I can't bow down to you. I'm so sorry. I'd, I have to honor God in this. And, and there was judgment from that, but it worked out in his favor. Like there's that place where there's times where you say, I can't do it in society. Like, and, and that actually put a boundary up for everybody from yeah. all the different religions, but he was only consumed with Israel and with Jewish tradition. But I mean, there was that place where I feel like there's God calls us in and we don't even know we're doing it. We're just being obedient. Well, the, the word gatekeeper was one that I thought about a lot because me mm. as a talent agent was putting projects in front of actors. Wow. So I was kind of a gatekeeper in a way. And and I had to like really go to God on this a lot of times. I didn't have just Christian actors. I had all kinds of actors. Um, and actors had hired me not to keep their gates, but to put as many projects in front of them as I could. Yeah. And so... Wow, I never thought of that. Wow. I would... I, did my job again, never something that was just awful. Cause it's like, that's not going to do anything for your career. We're talking about careers, yeah. not about paying rent. And so it was all career minded, but there was this one gal that I worked with and she was so sweet. She was kind of like a Daisy Duke kind of girl. And in her younger days, she had done some work that she wished she hadn't done. And those people all knew her and they kept calling her for various mm. projects. And and so then she got married and she said, you know, I, I want to stop doing these projects because she'd have them call us to make the deal. And it's like, well, are you sure you want to do this? And they, it wasn't like pornography, but it was, yeah. you know, not a career builder. And, uh, and so she got married and she said, my husband really wants me to stop this. So it's like, all right, well, we're just going to, we'll say no for you. Just tell us what you want us to say no to. Yeah. We don't even have to bring, you don't even have to know. And so she's like, okay. So this one day I get a call from one of the, that's a, it was like an HBO show that was so popular and huge. And the casting director calls and offers me this part for a recurring role for this girl. And it was like, it was one that you could tell was like, Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. This is going to be nudity and sexy. And I'm like, wait, she didn't audition for this. And she said, yes, she did. And I'm like, when they called her manager and the manager talked her into going. And now the offer is coming to me. Wow. Oh, and by this time, she had also had a child. She had a little baby girl. So I'm looking at this and a recurring role. You never know. It may be this in the first episode, but by the time you get to the eighth or the 20th episode, you're in. You're in for a penny. You're in for a pound. Mm -hmm. And so the manager had told her, I'm sure they'll rewrite it for you. This is the other end of the spectrum. I'm like, yeah. why would they rewrite this for you? Um you you need to say no to this. And now I'm, this is a major casting director that I'm have a good relationship with, but I'm about to say no. So I'm on the phone with this actress and her manager. And I said, look, this is what you've told me. You've told me that you want to protect your marriage and you want to protect who you are with your daughter. Wow. I said, I will not make this deal for you. I won't make it. And and so she was crying and she's like, but they'll never hire me again. And I said, that's okay. 
There are plenty of other jobs out there. This yeah. is okay. Losing your marriage or having something Whoa. out there that will affect your child, I won't do it. You like mommed her. And so we, so she's like, okay. And I had, I had to call the casting director back and say, we're turning this down. And she was livid. She's like, why did she come in? And I said, I can't tell you that, but we're turning this down. So I'm the one that got the wrath of the casting director, but that was a gatekeeper. And I was glad it was very clear for me. And so for all those times that I'm like, God, am I doing the right thing? That was one that's like, that was a gatekeeper time. Yeah. No, and that's so important. I think it's so good to hear from you because I think a lot of people who are watching are seeing a picture of what it is to be in this industry as a Christian. And they're hearing some things that they can really pray into and pray about. Whenever you are watching TV or film or watching maybe a model or someone in their career, I want to encourage you as a Christian, when you're intrigued by them, pray for them. When you're thinking about their life, pray for them. Don't just be the fanfare people who look up people in People Magazine and are interested. Be interested with faith. It's okay to look at their lives. It's okay to even read about them, but be interested with faith. I think so many of the people that are behind the scenes need your prayers, just like my guest Kim today got saved in the entertainment industry and stayed there out of a place of faith. Many people right now are getting saved and we need you praying. And if you're in the entertainment industry, we need you being a gatekeeper. We need you to be in your role, in your assignment. And we're so grateful. I'm so grateful for you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for asking me, Sean. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for joining the conversation. Come back next week. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Industry, our brand new podcast. And it's actually part of the podcast family of Exploring the Prophetic. If you subscribe now, you're going to hear weekly stories on Wednesdays that are everyday people like you and I who are hearing God and God is changing our options. He's changing our world. He's transforming culture around us because we're saying yes and obedience to God. And then on Fridays, we have Exploring the Industry. So make sure to subscribe and you're going to hear these amazing stories twice a week. And we need these stories right now. I know if if you're like me, you need the encouragement. So come join the conversation. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Industry. We're believing that God's going to change the world through the entertainment industry. And we want to invite you into the conversation. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell to this podcast. Also visit us at bowlsministries.com where you're going to find tons of resources to help you on your spiritual journey.